And good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you listen to us. And hi, listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And thank you all once again for joining us. And how are you, my man? I'm hanging, man. I'm hanging, just making the best of it. How about you? Uh, the same, the same. Just, you know, looking for new Netflix shows. I'm actually considering getting Disney Plus now because Hamilton's on there. So that may be. I, so. Have you not watched The Mandalorian yet? You know, I have no time. I have no time. <laughs> but now just, I just have spend the seven now. bucks and get it, man. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll stop being frugal and uh. Hamilton, yeah, do it. Cause Hamilton's actually pretty good. I haven't seen it on Disney Plus. I saw it on Broadway, and um, it's not bad to be honest with you. I mean, it was it, it was it was it was fun to watch. I haven't uh, I haven't divulged into it yet with uh, on the Disney Plus, but maybe if I get bored enough, I'm I'm still trying to plug and chug through uh, Justified right now. Is the one I'm on. Ah, ah. Well, you know, I'll I'll stop being Bengals management. I'll stop being frugal ah. and get it. So sorry to Bengals fans, but you know, with that being said, let's get into our conversation about Major League Baseball. Speaking of which, and- fun fact. Go ahead. Who, what current NFL quarterback was not born the last time the Bengals made the playoffs? Was not born the last time. Oh, it has to be Joe Burrow, isn't it? Wrong. Oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Ah, uh, shit, I, I think I already ruined it. No, because I think of the, of the year, and... Uh, I think I have to go back in the draft three years. That was the year of Trubisky and Watson and Mahomes. I think the younger, I think Mahomes came out as a junior. I know Watson was a senior. And I'm pretty, Trubisky, uh, he could have went to Degrassi for all I care. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Mahomes. There you now go. that I think about it. That's, that, the Jacksonville Jaguars weren't even a franchise yet. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Jesus. Anyways, let's kick on the baseball. I just I saw that fun fact this morning. I wanted to share it. Yeah, it, it, it's a great fact. It's it, it's speaking. <laughs> speaking of things that may upset people. Sorry, Bengals fans again. Apologize to those in the Cincinnati area. But I want to go back to the conversation about baseball, and you know, baseball is bound to kick off in about two and a half weeks. But there are legitimate concerns because of the various hot spots that's going on statewide, and I'll get into that later. But I, my, I'll just start off by saying this, and I'll get your opinion. I really do believe that there's a very, very good chance that even in a 60-game schedule, I base, they may not even get 60 games in. But that's just my opinion, and uh, what are your thoughts on it? You know, honestly, I'm really unsure because you're getting a lot of players that are uh, that are opting out, you know, to not even play this season. Um, you know, if you look right out of the gate, Ryan Zimmerman said absolutely not. Um, a couple veteran Braves players, uh, Felix Hernandez and Nick Markakis, uh, I think. Uh, Mark yeah, Nick Markakis. And Markakis, yeah. Um, you know, they opted out, so they're not going to suit up. Um, I think that it will, um, 
But I think when it comes down to it, you're going to see more and more uh, of this happen. And then also really depending on how many players are, uh, you know, popping positive in the clubhouses. You know, like the Braves have had a lot of uh, more, I think, more than other teams, uh, you know, get nailed for uh, positive COVID cases. So, um I don't know. You know, I would I would really like to see, uh, you know, something come out of this. But, you know, with all I, I think what they're doing is once you test positive, it's like a 14 day quarantine minimum and then you have to get retested and you got to have no symptoms and so on and so forth. Um, and then I think the uh, the MLBPA is doing their own little deal with it so before, you know, team workouts and such like that. So I as much as I'm excited to see baseball come back, I don't think we're going to get the full swing all, all pun intended. Um, so if a team does win a world series this year, I think it might have an asterisk next to it. Um, or the teams that may not win that think they should win will blame it on, you know, I, I don't know. I just, this, this whole thing just bums me out, man, to be honest with you. <laughs> I was excited about it. And then the more and more I'm seeing this stuff, you know, like with my Yankees, I think we had a couple guys, uh, test positive for it. Um, I think we had DJ LeMayu go positive and then Lewis Sessa, I think also hit it too, um, for the Yanks. So I, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I'm just, I'm bummed about it. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a terrible situation because like, if you look at like the grand scheme, like only 1.2% what you know, out of three thousand one eighty-five samples, that's essentially thirty-eight. That's thirty-eight people, thirty-one of which were players, which you uh, covered, and seven staff members have tested positive. So, but when you look at that number, I think the greater concern comes from from this, and I think the reason why players are doing, it, I think they're doing it for two, three reasons. I think first and foremost, Chris, I look at listen. I just truly believe it's not worth the risk. I I don't think it's worth the risk, given that you know you're playing 60 games. And listen, but here's the pot. You know the thing is, is this high risk players who do opt out, they get they get both their full salary and their service time for the season. So when you talk about guys like Ryan Zimmerman, and you talk about guys like you know Mike Leake, the pitcher for the Diamondbacks, Ian Desmond for the Rockies. Markakis and Fernandez. Listen, they have service time. They get so while it may not have affect them the same way, it does affect the players from the pecuniary aspect. So that's a potential reason why most players want to play. They want to get paid. But I think another important reason, Chris, is I think they're looking at who I think is the best player in baseball, Mike Trout. Because when someone like Mike Trout says that he's talking to other players, he wouldn't name names, of course, have has essentially said that, listen, is it really worth playing this year? And this is Mike Trout. Yeah. We're not talking, you know, no AAA or no, no. He's arguably, in my opinion, the best player in baseball. And in a sport that essentially has a lot of faults, you know, some man-made, some fixable. The reality is, Chris, when Mike Trout is saying, and he's listening to other players, listen, he doesn't want to risk giving his wife is pregnant. 
and he doesn't want to pass it along. He's not going to take that chance. But when Mike Trout says it, I think it rings volumes, in my opinion. Yeah. And then you, and I think if you factor in, listen, there's 38 states that have in- increased cases of this, Chris. The states are Texas, California, here where I am in Florida, and Arizona. Chris, those states combined host a third of Major League Baseball teams. Yep. That's a concern. It's a legitimate concern. And if I'm Mike Trout, and if I'm any player right now, Chris, look, I just don't feel it's worth it. And I understand that we want baseball. We want sports. That's why basketball is coming back. But even when I look at the situation in basketball, I still see, I don't see a lot of, you know, you still have optim, you still have people who doubt that. Because, Chris, we have to factor in the world. That's why it's sports in the world. We have to factor in the world, Chris. I just don't believe that sports is feasible unless you push it back. Because I call it, we'll get to college sports probably at another time. But college sports is facing that dilemma, Chris. College yeah, football is almost time. So essentially, are we going to have to push back college football to articles that I've read potentially to spring of next year is what I'm hearing, which could be because essentially I call that maybe not the nuclear option. But, Chris, I think that we have to we have we're going back to baseball. Before I get ahead of myself, but going back to baseball, I just think, Chris, when you're asking teams to travel, even though the distance from a Europe north, so the distance from where uh, from New York to to Washington D.C. is not really that long. I uh, I'm like I said, cause I, you're up, you're close in that area, but still, it's still traveling. Absolutely. Even if you hop, it's you're still hopping on a train, you're hopping on a team bus. Or whatever, you're not gonna fly, you know, unless you fly us. I so because I know I've read that some teams, especially they play like the subway series, they just take a train if it's especially within like so many miles. But Chris, to me, it's not worth the risk because listen, some of these players, listen, David Price, David Price is the most notable player. No disrespect to the other guys on the list, but David Price is like, I'm out. Yeah, and if we do, if, if we do play this, listen, I understand people looking at the Dodgers as favorites and all. But listen, it makes me – depending how the pitching works, you're going to need a David Price. Because as great as, you know, Walker Bueller and Ryu is, you're going to need at least maybe three good pitchers. It doesn't matter who your fourth or fifth necessarily is because it's only 60 games. It's not 162. So you can be more reliant on your bullpen and not worry about, you know, arms. And there's more availability, in my opinion. But having not having David Price and you and potentially Mike Trout not playing, Chris, I just don't think. And as, like I say, as much as I rip Mob, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, and I rip him a great deal, I understand you want baseball. And I reiterate, I get it. But the reality is the same argument that I make about basketball is, is that it's just there are some things, Chris, that are just bigger than sports. And while the world, while we need something to distract us, we're risking lives still. And I'm, I'm a human first. I'm a human being first and a sports fan somewhere after that. 
because at the end of the day, I just don't see the risk of doing so. That's just me. And I understand those who may say, like Joe West, the umpire, you know, who I think is the second worst umpire behind Angel Hernandez. But we're not going to get into that either. We're not going to get into that either. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember Angel Hernandez. I'll just say this one quick anecdote. Angel Hernandez was calling a Cubs game. This had to be about, I would say, I'll say at least 10, 15 years. And I think they had Steve McMichael, one of the great Bears players who was on that I think he was on the 85 team. He became a wrestler. We're not going to talk about his wrestling career. But the point is, he was singing, he was singing the uh, take it to the ball game, the tradition. And he talked about Angel Hernandez and talking about the umpire. You know, he, you know, blah, something like that. So Angel Hernandez, they, they zoomed the camera on Angel Hernandez and looked up. And I think he tossed Steve McMichael out. He tossed the guy that was in the booth out of the Wrigley Field. I'm like, yeah. sir. I'm like, sir, like, listen, like, you know, we may not like Lizzo, but Lizzo said truth hurts. So Steve McMichael was on to something. And Joe West tossed out Adrian Beltray for moving the on-deck, moving the on-deck circle, the rubber, you know, the rubber on-deck circle. Yeah. He moved it. And Joe, I'm like, so I don't really care what value what Joe West says. Oh, sports didn't cause Listen, kissing doesn't cost cooties, but it doesn't mean it doesn't cost something. So before, before I'm like Eminem and lose myself, uh, I'll leave, unless you want anything to add about on the baseball aspect. You know, honestly, I think, you know, I mean, you kind of covered it. You know, uh, we're, we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Some of us want life to go on. Some of us want this coronavirus to go away. You know, um, who knows what the future holds? It, it sucks. It's, it's really putting a damper on everything. Yeah, it, it, it truly is. And speaking of things that, you know, maybe to put a damper on, we've got to talk about your Jets. And yeah, listen, I listen, I love you, Chris. You know that. I love you. But but you know, I you you, you brought up a very good article, I think a couple of days ago. You talked about Sam Darnold, you know, going into a potentially very interesting year in the context of, you know, this could probably sway his future. And I think the Jets, I don't think they went all in. That's just me just being an outside observer. But I'll just say my little things about Sam Dorn. I'll let you, the Jet fan, take it from there. Is that, Chris, when I, when I, when I put blame, I've never, I've never been of the belief that you put the blame 100% on one person. Because there are other entities and factors that happen. When I look at the situation with, with the New York Jets, Chris, I look at management. I always look at management because given the history of the Jets, I, I argue this point. You're a Jet fan. Who has been the, the, the best Jets quarterback the last 25 years? The last 25 years? Yeah. 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 You know, I mean... Part of me, honestly, and it sounds just batshit crazy. Part of me, I want to say like Ryan Fitzpatrick, normal size beard, because uh, once he got the big beard, he went out the window. Um, Chad Pennington really wasn't nothing to to write about. 
I mean, if we could talk about the quarterbacks that show the most potential, I feel like I could say Sam Darnold, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, there hasn't been excellence there since like the sixties. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and that's kind of my point because, because Chris, there's really no wrong answer you could have gave. There was no wrong answer. And the reason why I say that Chris is I, I said it when Sam Darnold got drafted, I felt that he was going to be the better quarterback. And that even with the draft class of Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen, Lamar, maybe Lamar Jackson may be the best, but I think Sam Darnold could easily be the second best. Because of the fact that in that market, Sam Darnold fits the Jets the same way I felt Phil Simms fit the Giants. Is that you need a guy who understands the city, who understands the media. And in a way, Eli Manning was very good at that. Like, we can argue on the field stuff, but the way he handled New York media. Because New York media is probably the toughest media, period. Especially in print and on radio, they're tough. I had, you know, from time to time, I listen to, you know, radio, sports radio up in New York. You know, I, you know, I listen vicious. to it. And they're vicious. Yeah, they're brutal. They're brutal. But yet, guys like Phil Sims, guys like Eli Manning, who play in that city, understand it. The Jets knew they needed a guy who understood what he was walking into. He just wasn't walking into the Jets, Chris. He was walking into New York. And to me, Sam Darnold is probably the best quarterback prospect they've had maybe since Ken O'Brien. You know, as great as, like you say, Chad Pennington was not terrible. He was not terrible. Chad Pennington was a very, very reliable quarterback. I'll put it that way. I'm he's not like going a, to demagogue his career. He's like a 2003 Honda Civic. You know it'll run. It might not be the fastest. It might not be the prettiest. That some bitch will get you from point A to point B. Right. Yeah, it'll get you to McDonald's and get you a Big Mac and bring you back home. That's Chad Pennington. <laughs> That's um, Chad Pennington. You know, the, the touch on, um, you know, like you said, the radio syndication market for sports and things like that. Um, I think... Uh, New York, Boston, Chicago, and L.A. are almost death sentences for athletes if they don't immediately perform. Um, look at um, look at a uh, prime example: uh, Derrick Rose in Chicago when he, you know, he's very injury prone. Dude, the media, the Chicago media, ate him alive. Uh, you look, you, you look at the New York based media, Eli literally won two Super Bowls from Tom Brady. He was Luke Skywalker episode six, return of the Jedi status and has, and, and on the backside of his career, he's treated like a, like a plague victim, you know, um, and New York, I think, is even worse just because of the stigmatism. I mean, I can kind of speak on it that we're all assholes. Um, well, we are. Um, you know, it, it's a rough market to play for. Um, you know, baseball, I think, is is the nastiest of it all because New York, I think, has the most notoriety for baseball over all sports. 
the Knicks have never been consistently great for basketball. The Nets were across the river, and then they got moved into Brooklyn. So they're such a new program that they're not even really looked at. Half the time, I, I honestly forget they exist. But again, I'm just not a big basketball fan. Hockey, you've got the Islanders and the Rangers. The Rangers, you know, got some notoriety because of Wayne Gretzky. Um, and then you've got football, even though the Jets and the Giants play across the river. Um, you know, but again, it's the NFL. So it's, uh, by, I think, by far the fast, the, the highest grossing um, sport, you know, finance-wise compared to basketball and baseball and things like that. Um and like I listen to it a lot because naturally a lot of it, you know, I spend so much time in New York for work. And so I'll listen to like ESPN New York and things like that. Or even just turn on some of the local radio stations there. And they and you and I talked about this actually pre-show when we were going through our notes about the blame game and the blame game that is played on on Darnold. And the problem with that is, again, like we said, he shows so much potential, but it's hard to be a quarterback in the NFL or college or high school or at this point even peewee league if you can't ha- get your offensive line to open gaps for you to allow running play to develop. If you don't have an offensive line that can hold a block more than two seconds before you have a middle linebacker or a strong safety gunning for your life, you're not going to be a successful quarterback. And see, a lot of people place the blame on the quarterback. They say, look at uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill, for example. He's down in Miami, and all of Miami's problems revolved around Tannehill. Tannehill's the problem. Tannehill's the issue. Get, you know, this cancel culture. Cancel Tannehill. And so they do. He goes to Tennessee and almost goes to the damn Super Bowl last year. But what was the difference, Ladarius? Yeah. Oh, to me, easy. Coaching. Culture. To me, it's to me to me the easiest thing. I mean to, to jump into your parade. But to me, Chris. The difference between what happened in Miami and when he went to Tennessee was a change of scenery in the culture. Adam Gase, Adam, I, I put it like this. T- Ryan Tannehill was a first-round pick. People tend to forget that. He was a, coming out of Texas A&M. So Ryan Tannehill got, got hurt. He, he wasn't garbage by any stretch of the imagination. But given he was working with what he had, like you're supposed to do, but when we saw a healthy... Ryan Tannehill go to Tennessee, and we could argue, did he deserve that much money? I argue that's the quarterback market. That's going to yeah. always be my argument. Yeah, but again, but right now we're not we're not even talking about money. We're just talking about the ability. And one of the things yeah. that Tennessee does is they open holes for Derrick Henry to run through. They hold a block long enough for Tannehill to do a play-action pass or just a three-step drop or in a shotgun formation, Darnold doesn't get that treatment in 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 the, in the Jets. His offensive line, I, I don't even want to say average, but we'll, we'll say average just for sanity's sake. Um, but if you look at his numbers, though, I mean, 
his regular season numbers, he threw for 61%, which isn't terrible in the NFL. And, you know, his average was 6.9 yards per throw. He threw for just a hair over 3,000 yards, which, again, isn't terrible. Uh, But the big thing is, is that he threw last season, he 19 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. That's a pretty good ratio for essentially a a second year, a third year quarterback that honestly, let's face it, uh, you know, and, and, and we talked about this uh, besides me being a Jets fan. I can't I, I bet you most people can't name more than two receivers in the in the receiver core that are still on the Jets roster. Now, everyone could say Robbie Anderson because they probably won a lot of money from him in fantasy last year. And but he ain't there no more. Robbie Anderson took the money that Carolina was offering and said, peace out. I enjoyed my time, but I understand I'm never going to win anything here, and I see a better chance in, in Carolina. And you know what? I don't blame him, to be honest with you. You know, Rob, the, the thing was, it was like uh, like, like, with the, like with San Francisco. If you could shut down their tight end, I mean, they're all, they really didn't have a lot of other people to throw to. I mean, they... They did, but were they great? You know, it's not like like Patrick Mahomes, for example. I mean, again, he's a freak of nature to begin with, so he deserves every dollar of that contract. But look at all of the weapons he has to throw to. As much as I despise Tom Brady, look at all the weapons he always had in New England. It just wasn't Gronkowski. It just wasn't Amendola. It just wasn't Randy Moss. It was a fleet. He had a fleet of people. Darnold has had one consistency, which was Robbie Anderson. That was it. We were changing uh, uh, tight ends like we like they were underwear. Uh, Anunwa, which I think we all had high hopes on, he just can't stay healthy to save his life. So, like right now, all all he has that that is proven is Jamison Crowder. And let's face it, that's not like a I promise you, if you're in in round one of if we if we do get to have a fantasy season this year, Ladarius, I promise your first receiver you're going after won't be Jamison Crowder. Maybe not even in round two. I bet not even in round three you would probably pick him up. They also scooped up Rashard Perryman in the offseason, and then they got Denzel Mims in the draft. Again, Mims is new. I'm not going to bash him, but jumping from the Big 12 into the NFL. It's quite the jump. Um, and then, like you said, it's the culture. I, I don't think Adam Gase is good at developing quarterbacks. He proved that with Tannehill. He got Tannehill he was, and couldn't do anything with him. Tannehill leaves, goes to Tennessee, and beats New England, which not a lot of people can even say they've done in their career in the unfortunate Tom Brady era. Um, so all this this blame that they're placing on, on Darnold, I think it's just – and again, I don't want to sound like a like a whiny child because it's the, the last thing that, that bothers me. But it's legitimately unfair. It, truly, it, it really to place the blame of everything on the Jets' problem on him is like blaming you, Ladarius, for someone fa- like a doctor failing heart surgery. There's just so many other variables that play into it that that really don't have much to do with you. Um, uh, you know, an NFL quarterback with a plus 60 completion percentage, that's 
That's good in my book. I think you could probably agree on that. Um, yeah. A quarter, a quarterback with a positive uh, TD to interception ratio. Again, I think that's probably something we could agree on. That's good. Um, you know, just for sanity's sake, I mean, I I, I got bored and pulled up last year's um, active roster NFL quarterbacks uh, QBR rating, and I mean, as weird as it sounds, uh, Darnold was tied with Jameis Winston at 32nd, which is crazy. So he actually has a better completion percentage than Jameis. So last year, Jameis and uh, Jameis Winston was 60.7 completion ratio. Darnold was 69.1 or 61.9, excuse me. Um, now, he didn't average as many yards per throw as Winston. Winston did uh, 8.2 compared to 6.9. They both have positive interception ratios. Winston threw uh, 33 touchdowns and 30 interceptions compared to Darnold's 19 for 13. But the thing with Darnold that a lot of people don't talk about is look at last season. So he missed the first three games of the season because he, uh, he decided to catch the mono, which I don't understand how you get as a professional NFL quarterback, because you can afford high end hookers. Uh, But so when he first came back, the first six games, he was two and four with a 6.4 yard uh, yards per attempt on throws. But he threw seven touchdowns to nine interceptions. Negative ratio. The last seven games of the season, he had this, like, unbecoming of Christ. And, again, nothing was changed. The same players, the same situations. He went five and two with 12 touchdowns and four interceptions at 7.2 yards per attempt. So he's showing promise. I think with adding some new linemen this season – or excuse me, in the offseason and the draft and all that, I think that's going to help. And I think that I think this year is going to be the most influential and important year of Sam Darnold's professional career because he's getting ready to knock on the door of that rookie contract expiring. So he's going to have to perform to neither stay with New York, where he's he's vividly said that he wants to, to be a Jet, but he also might have to start looking at other options you know, and then also I think what might help this season is he has a Super Bowl winning quarterback as a backup quarterback with him with Joe Flacco. So maybe some because I think it's clear that Gase is not providing the proper guidance for him. Um, maybe a quarterback that's been in, as they say so eloquently, in the shit um, that's won a Super Bowl, that's taken a team to the playoffs. Maybe he can learn a few things off of Flacco and, uh, you know, maybe something could change. But I think this year is going to be the make or break here. Um, they're predicting it. Um, I think the over under is like 21 touchdowns is, is what Vegas is betting on him uh, to throw this season. I would definitely like to see more. I would like to see him be able to use Le'Veon Bell the way that he was designed to be used. If that offensive line can start clicking and ticking, opens up the run game. The run game opens up the pass game. No rocket science required to figure that out. And I think that's where we'll be able to excel uh, with Sam Darnold at the helm. That's just my take on it. Um, I don't know if you want to piggyback anything, but I know you wanted to talk about good old Matty Ice and your uh, your Falcons organization there. Well, well, 
well, I'll just I'll I'll wrap up, but you know, what some of my thoughts on Sam Darnold. I probably won't go in much into Matty Ice. I I might that'll be you know the article that'll come up for the week for the podcast because there's a lot to say on Matt Ryan. But what I will say about Sam Darnold is this: is, is that when when he was drafted, I just felt that when you look at his tapes at USC, given what USC had, and I felt that he was going to be one of the better. I felt he was going to be better than Baker Mayfield before. I don't want, you know, I don't need a halo, to, you know, to say, oh, you know, because no. when you look at the eye test, Baker Mayfield was drafted number one overall, Chris, for one simple reason, completion percentage. Because Baker Mayfield, for all the flack that we give him, was a very accurate passer. Yeah. And the reason why, and the reason why Sam Darnold was drafted as high as he was, because of A, go look at his USC, and B, he can handle New York. And to go, to go back to the point you said, that's why I mentioned earlier, Chris, about the money Ryan Tannehill got, was because Sam Darnold may want to get some of that money for the Jets. And that's why I brought up Ryan Tannehill and the contract that he received, simply to, to create the point that if the Jets have to figure out if he's the guy, I believe he's the guy. I believe that Sam Darnold, you know, given the circumstances, and that's important, if Sam Darnold and can get at least, I think Sam Darnold, and this may sound, he can get 30 t- passing touchdowns. I believe he can because I believe strongly in Denzel Mims. In a, this is a deep wide receiver draft in this year's draft. And they, and they getting a Denzel Mims, I think from, Baylor was a very, very good move. I think getting Makai Beckton, Chris, they did a lot of they, offensive line. Chris, they addressed a lot. They checked a lot of boxes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that that's the thing. I don't want to say as high as 30 touchdowns. I would say 25. I, uh, I, I, I'm willing to go. I didn't mean to coach. I'm willing to go 30 simply because I just believe that. When you look at Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell is no slouch in, in the open field either. Absolutely I, not. I think you could use him kind of in the capacity as, you know, maybe like a Zeke Elliott is, or you, as another receiver. So little I dump think, passes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, like a safety valve for Darnold, I think 30 is not unrealistic to me, given that how many times the ball is being thrown. And... And to piggyback your point that you compared him to Jameis Winston, and it kind of goes back to what I said on last week's show about when I said the Patriots are going to win more games than New England. And I once again, I wrote, I know I'm pumping the articles that I'm writing, but I wrote an article. I talked about the completion. I talked about the QBR on the number of attempts, like from 30 or more attempts to zero to 29 attempts. And Chris, when you average it out, Tom Brady was no better than Jameis Winston last year. Fair. And, and and people go, Darius, what's your point? My point is, is that to kind of bring it full circle, if Darnold was somewhat close to Winston and Winston was kind of close to Brady last year, this is why I say, Chris, 30 touchdowns is not out of the realm of possibility because I think everybody in that building's job is on the line. Everybody. I'm talking Gase. I'm talking Darnold. I'm talking the Gatorade boy. I'm talking everybody. <laughs> Everybody's job's on the line because, Chris, 
if you got rid of Todd Bowles, who I thought was a very good coach, is that I feel if Todd Bowles had a had a Josh McDaniels type offensive coordinator, he'd still be in New York. Absolutely. Because Todd Bowles made that deep. So, and you bring in Adam Gase, who looked like a deer in headlights when he got hired, who didn't make sense in the hiring, but I'm not going to get into that either. But to kind of wrap up the point on Darnold, and and I'll talk about Matt Ryan on next week's episode, because I have a, too much to say on that. Mm-hmm. But to talk, to talk about Sam Darnold, I always, like I say, he has a lot of upside. And I think the problem, Chris, is, is that we put, because A, it's New York, it's pressure. And people say, well, I can argue Dak gets that kind of pressure because he's a Dallas quarterback. But, Chris, I counterpoint with people who say that is, look, it's about expectations. Where do we expect, and this is no knock on the Jets, but where do we always expect the Dallas Cowboys to be? What have I been hearing the last 20 years? It's our year. It's our year. It's our year. That's all I hear. That's all I literally hear is that, hey, it's our year. It's our year. But the problem is, the problem is, is that, Chris, and I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, is that when I look at the Jets organization, I've always felt with the Jets, I just felt that, to a certain degree, they just don't surround this man with talent. And they, I don't. They, care. they honestly haven't. If because, we can just get one, and not to cut you off, if we can get one dependable, good receiver, he had it with with Robbie Anderson. If yeah, he could have had another one to piggyback, if you look at Fitzpatrick and how Fitzpatrick excelled. One side of the ball, he had Brandon Marshall. The other side of the ball, he had Eric Decker. Yeah. You know, uh, which both of them are in their time were pretty damn good receivers, if you, uh, if you ask me, or anybody yeah, with absolutely. basic knowledge of the NFL. And, uh, and who did they have at the back at the time? Chris Ivory. That man was a, yep. so it was Chris Ivory, and, and who was the other one they had? Uh, Oh, Thomas Jones. It wasn't Thomas Jones. It was... I know who you're talking about. I can't... Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not coming. But, yeah, all right, let's just... Even with Chris Ivory. Dude, that guy was like almost Mike Allstock quality. He would just run through people and not even turn to look back at him. He had... He had weapons. And the Jets went 10 and 6 and just, you know, they, they unfortunately choked when it counted. But... You know, there was so many weapons for Fitzpatrick to use. And the problem was, is that they understood that if you blitzed on every down, you can't get the ball to Le'Veon Bell. And if you don't do that, you're forcing the pass. And there's only one good receiver he knows consistently can catch the ball. So you just keep dumping it. You know, you know it's, it's like... Uh, it's like when you're playing like your nephew or like someone younger than you in Madden and us as adults. See, like we understand the game a hundred times better than we did at 12 years old. Granted, when we were 12 years old, I don't even think Madden was even out yet, but just entertain it, okay? Um, you know, you ran like NFL Blitz. 
you ran like the same six plays and that's how you won, you know, and it's essentially what the jets are doing is they're just running like the same six plays because that's all you know how to do. It's all there really is to do. And then see, if you start running those six plays, your defense you're playing against expects it. All of a sudden you add another six plays. Now you just confuse the hell out of them and the opportunities are endless. And I think that's what the Jets need to do is, is now that Robbie Anderson's literally not there to shoulder the entire offense now for him, they're going to have to come up with something. They're going to have to have the offense produce those blocks to let Le'Veon Bell do what he does best. And then by doing that, it opens up to play action and it opens up to passing game. And then the, the game won't rely so heavily on the Jets' defense. And you know, maybe that will give the defense a break, which sucks because, you know, we're going to lose. Again, we talked about Jamal Adams on on, on another episode. But we had, uh, at one point in time over the past couple of years, arguably one of the, I would say, like a, a top five, top six defense in the NFL. It didn't show because they spent so much time on the field they were gassed out. But, but they they still showed up to play every week. So I think we can just add more weapons. Darnold can can hit that that twenty five to thirty touchdown range, and we can really see what he's about, you know. Um, and we'll just have to just go from there, man. Yeah, and and I think before we before we put a bow on this, I'll just I'll just add two little points. I when I look at the New York Jets, when I look at the quarterback, because you know, Chris, I love quarterbacks. I can talk about quarterbacks for hours, and you know that. Yes. When I look at Sam Darnold, Chris, when I first saw him and I said, that guy, what separated him, the difference between him and Blake Bortles was that Sam Darnold is actually a quarterback from the neck up, and he's an all-around physical quarterback and mental quarterback. And also, Chris, I think he just understands Listen, this guy played at USC, and it's one of, I could argue, one of the top five college football prestige schools, period. Oh, 100%. This guy was playing in front of maybe almost 100,000 people. Weekly. Weekly. He understands pressure. And that's what I say when you get a quarterback, and what I brought up, you know, Tannehill and his money, Chris, it's because Sam Darnold, has the potential to get paid like Ryan Tannehill, but more. Because, Chris, I just don't see – I think – this is my prediction before we close. I think the Jets re-signed Sam Darnold regardless of this season. I think, you know, I think they're in assessing their – because, Chris, they're looking at the quarterbacks coming out. There may not be – why would you draft another quarterback? Understandable. Yeah. Why – and you got Joe Flacco, Wacko back, and so you you don't want to go back to that well again. And I could have told people like folks, that guy was Milli Vanilli. I could have told you guys that, but I said he does one one good year, he got paid, and that's it. But I understand Joe Flacco's value. Maybe he could push Darnold some more, to you know, to be a understanding what a franchise quarterback is. Even think, even Josh McCowan was I think was a tool to Darnold just to help a young man navigate yeah through the you know, NFL you know ab- absolutely just like I think Fitzpatrick I mean to cut you off 
But like McCown, you got guys in the league like McCown, Fitzpatrick. You have a you have these veteran veterans who understand and at some points they started games in this league. They they can sit down and talk to guys like Sam Darnold. You know, understanding the position and understanding leadership. You know, basically, Chris, the day to day of how to prepare yourself. That was the that's the value of Joe Flacco now. That was the value of Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's the that was the value of Josh McCown. Was that listen? They can get you in a room and prepare you not just for Sunday, but for every day, because it doesn't start to you don't start preparing the day of. It's how you walk through and you prepare. That's any job yep. that you ever had. Like when you know, I'm sure in your job it's the same thing. When I do tutoring, Chris, I don't walk in and tutor somebody and prepare that day. It takes at least I I prepare the week of. Yeah. I look at it as game planning, like like how do I what do I have to do? How do I get them to get this? I mean, that's the way you gotta look at life and that's the way you gotta look at the same way at football. But with that being said, it looks like we're out of time for this week's episode. And before we go, you know, just a couple of social media warnings. You go to uh, on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash sports the world. And also check out our Facebook group. There will be a poll question that will be up at the end of the episode. Also, go to our website. Go to sports in the world one. Dot wordpress.com that's sports in the world one dot wordpress.com and on both instagram and twitter it's at sports the world you can check me out on twitter at ladares underscore brown and on instagram at cubbies fan 77 you know chris i never asked you to drop your handle i i, I feel like a fool yeah no, i never no, asked it's you all to good. drop it's all good uh instagram it's literally at it's Christogram, just like it sounds, C-H-R-A-S-T-O-G-R-A-M, because I'm just that crafty. Twitter, I get too pissed off at it because I can't figure out how to use it half the time, so I just don't use it. So Instagram is your only form of aggravation from me, uh, or you can just get me through the Facebook page at Sports in the World. I get in there and, and drop some love once in a blue moon. But, you know, before we go, I think you'd be very, very good for Twitter. It, it, you know, if, if we do a conference and... And if I just, you know, teach you the logistics of Twitter for like midnight and 30 minutes, you'll be the king of Twitter. You'll be the king of Twitter. Well, I'll think about it. I won't say no. I won't say no, but I'll say I'll think about it. Yeah, you know, because, you know, listen, listen, Will Smith said no to the Matrix, and we saw what happened there. So, you know, I'm just, I, I, it didn't ruin his career. I'm just saying. I, I love you, Will. I love first, you know. I'm just saying, that's why you never, you know, you never, like Justin Bieber used to say, you never say never. Or James Bond, you never say never again. So, facts. <laughs> so, un- until next time, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris, without the Twitter. <laughs> and to be real, be you, and be blessed. And we look forward to hear you and you hearing us again here on the Sports and the World podcast. See ya.